Welcome to Overlooked, a podcast by Tunuka Media. My name is Yemi, and I'll be your host for the show. In this podcast, I introduce you to potentially overlooked news stories from around the world. This will include the good, the bad, and sometimes the absolutely hilarious. To keep you informed, I pick up stories that may have been missed by your home news network. The Overlooked podcast is produced every week and covers news articles from the previous week. Come back often, share with your friends, and feel free to add the podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. My goal is to make sure you have a pleasant and engaging listening experience every single time you tune in. So drop me a note on Twitter or Facebook. Just search for Tunuka Media. That is T-U-N-U-K-A Media. Episodes are also hosted on YouTube on the Tunuka Media YouTube channel. Again, that is T-U-N-U-K-A Media. Links to the stories will also be posted in the show notes. Finally, if you come across stories or articles that you think should be featured here, please share them and let us all keep informed. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Overlooked. Just before we get started, I wanted to let you know that the format of the podcast has been adjusted slightly based on your feedback. So what's new? Rather than having a lot of stories, what I'm going to do is reduce the number of stories while keeping the stories I do talk about a little bit broad. This keeps the episode short and sweet. Let me know what you think about these changes either in the comments or through any one of our social media outlets. So, let's get into this week's stories. Despite indictments, the Israeli High Court has let the four-time Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, form government. This comes despite his upcoming trial on corruption charges, bringing him closer to a fifth term after about 17 months of a political stalemate. In April 2020, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his main rival, Benny Gantz, agreed to form a national unity government. Under the three-year deal, Netanyahu will serve as prime minister for the first half, with Gantz, his main opponent, taking the job for the second half. The Blue and White Party, led by Gantz, will take control of a number of senior government ministries, including foreign affairs and defense. But the Likud Party, led by Prime Minister Netanyahu, will gain influence over judicial appointments. This influence is key given that the Prime Minister is scheduled to go on trial on charges of indictment for bribery, fraud, and breach of trust. Netanyahu has denied any wrongdoing. The April deal, which includes a timeline for potential annexation of parts of the West Bank over the summer, appears to have brought an end to more than a year of political deadlock during which Israel had three general elections. Judges were asked by eight petitioners, a mix of advocacy groups and opposition figures, to block Netanyahu from the deal because of his ongoing legal troubles. The court also assessed the legality of the controversial unity government deal Netanyahu agreed to with his former foe, Benny Gantz. In its decision, the 11-judge panel expressed strong opposition to both Netanyahu's continued role and the coalition deal, but said that it would not get in the way of either. Two things are worth keeping an eye out for. 
First is the trial of Prime Minister Netanyahu, which is slated to start on May 24th. Viewed within the context of the April deal, there is a potential for conflict over the authority of the Supreme Court in Israel. Second, on national security. Israel may well annex parts of the West Bank, a controversial move which appears to be supported by the U.S. President Donald Trump's administration. July 1st has been set as the start date of the process. The Arab League has called the plans a war crime. South Africa's central bank has temporarily banned the use of debt issued by the Land and Agricultural Development Bank as collateral after the state-owned lender defaulted on its debt. The suspension is effective as of Wednesday, May 13th, when the central bank holds its main weekly repurchase agreement or repo auction. The state agricultural lender was recently downgraded deeper into junk status and missed 2.7 billion US dollars in loan repayments. The land bank had its credit rating cut to B1 from BA2 by Moody's in January, while Fitch has also warned of downgrades. In addition, the bank, which provides about 30% of loans in the agriculture industry, failed to make repayments on a revolving credit facility last month, triggering a cross-default event on 50 billion rand in late April. The amount is also equivalent to about 3 billion US dollars or 4 billion Canadian dollars. Since the new coronavirus outbreak prompted a national lockdown to limit its spread in March, local capital markets have suffered a severe lack of liquidity as investors around the world rush to sell emerging market assets. This caused the typically conservative South Africa Reserve Bank, or SARB, to step up with an unconventional policy, including a government bond buying program and additional repurchase or repo auctions to pump up liquidity into funding markets. The moves so far have been effective. However, the SARB's recent decision may put additional pressure on the banking system, especially commercial investment banks and institutional investors, which are already starved of the debt instruments necessary to access overnight cash to fund their daily operations. It will also hurt the land bank's already strained ability to fund its operations and pay down debt, 50% of which mature in less than a year, while another 10% is due over the next three years. The Land Bank, or the Land and Agricultural Development Bank, is seeking a one-year deferral on all interest and capital payments falling due in the next six months. This is so that it has enough liquidity to keep operating as it develops a business plan and negotiates the restructuring of its debt. The SARB currently accepts government bonds, treasury bills, and central bank dentures as collateral at its weekly repo auctions. Land bank bills were the only form of debt from the state-owned company accepted by the bank as collateral. In our next story this week, on May 8, Egypt's president, Abdel Fattah el-Sisi, has approved amendments to the country's state of emergency that grant him and security agents additional powers. The government says that the amendments are needed to combat the coronavirus outbreak. 
The new amendments allow the president to take measures to contain the virus, such as suspending classes at schools and universities and quarantining those who are returning from abroad. But they also include expanded powers to ban public and private meetings, protests, celebrations, and other forms of assembly. The amendments also allow military prosecutors to investigate incidents where army officers are tasked with law enforcement or when the president orders it. The country's chief civilian prosecutor will then have to make the final decision on whether to bring the martyrs to trial. The amended law would also allow the president to postpone taxes and utility payments, as well as provide economic support for affected sectors. Under the new amendment, the president can act any of these measures verbally and has eight days to put them in writing. Anyone violating these measures imposed during a state of emergency can be sentenced to up to 15 years in prison. Egypt has lived under a state of emergency for almost 40 years since 1981, with only a few months of interruption, mainly between 2012 and 2017. The law was originally passed to give the president broader powers to combat terrorism and drug trafficking. The government said that the amendments were needed to address the legal vacuum revealed by the coronavirus outbreak. Egypt, with a population of 100 million, has reported at least 514 deaths among around 9,000 confirmed cases. Reaction to the changes have been mixed. Parliament, which has a lot of LCC supporters, approved the measure last month. Meanwhile, the Human Rights Watch, an international non-governmental organization headquartered in New York City that conducts research and advocacy on human rights, has condemned the move, calling it a cover for new repressive powers. According to the Human Rights Watch, only five of the 18 amendments are clearly related to public health. The other new powers can be used whenever a state of emergency is declared, regardless of if there is a public health emergency. Egypt has already halted international air travel and closed schools, universities, mosques, churches, and archaeological sites, including the famed Giza pyramids in response to the coronavirus pandemic. A curfew is also in place from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. The partial lockdown will remain in place for another two weeks until the end of the Muslim holy month of Ramadan. China will begin testing out its new digital currency in major cities starting next week. In recent months, the Chinese central bank has accelerated the development of the ERMB. It might just be the first digital currency operated by a major economy. It has already reportedly begun trials in several cities, including the cities of Shenzhen, Shuzhou, and Chengdu. According to state media outlets China Daily, ERMB has been formally adopted into the city's monetary systems. ERMB will be pegged to the national currency. Apparently, some government employees and public servants will receive their salaries in digital currency starting in May. Digital payments are not new to China. Popular platforms such as Alipay, owned by Alibaba's Ant Financial, 
and WeChat Pay, owned by Tencent, are widely used, but do not replace existing currency. So why now? According to some reports, progress on China's digital currency was reportedly spurred on by Facebook's announcement in June 2019 that it intended to launch a digital currency called Libra. Last year, the deputy director of the People's Bank of China, Mu Changchun, noted that the intent of the currency is to protect China's monetary sovereignty and legal currency status and prevent the privatization of money by commercial entities and IT firms. According to some experts, China would also like to decrease the reliance on the US dollar while at the same time challenging the dollar's dominant role as a global reserve currency. A nationwide rollout is expected in two to three years when the People's Bank of China aims to reduce the amount of hard cash that needs to be printed. Sandstorms are not unusual during the West African dry season, which runs generally from January to April. The season is known as Hamertan. What is unusual, however, is the apocalyptic sandstorm which hit Niami in Niger this past week. The Hamatan is usually drier in areas around North Africa and the Arabian Peninsula, which are hit the most with dust, prompting some to suggest that Niger's storm is highly unusual. The scenes in Niami were jaw-dropping, as a huge wall of blood-red dust engulfed the city. One viral video appears to show a tsunami of dust poised towards the Naomi skyline. In another video, the entire sky is crimson. For those listening, the best description I can give for the pictures is from the 1999 movie The Mummy, where Imhotep created a gigantic sandstorm while O'Connor was flying on a plane to rescue Evelyn. Now if you can picture that, that is almost exactly what the scene looks like, without the sand face, of course. Pictures of the sandstorm can be found on our Instagram page, at Tunica Media, or on the blog, or even better, through the links in the show notes. This brings us to the end of this episode. Have yourself a great week, and see you next week. Bye! Thanks for listening. As a reminder, the podcast will be released every week. Also, don't forget to follow Tunica Media on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Connect to say hi, or even share your stories that are happening in your local area or region. Nothing is too big or small. Thanks again.